scripture reading today is going to be from Isaiah 43. We'll be reading verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you, says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The word of God for us. Love what you create, don't you? Since we're very young and we learn to do arts and crafts in school and to do paintings and drawings, we have learned what it means to be proud of our creation, right? Have you ever had that moment when that small child comes home with a picture and goes, look what I did, and you're going, what exactly is it? Because you don't know. But they're excited about it. They think it's precious and beautiful because they created it. And they're excited about sharing with you what they have made. When I think about that illustration which I share with the kids, I think about how God thinks of us. Do you realize that when God thinks about you and I, he goes, yay, I made that. I am excited about that. That is my creation. It is precious in my sight. And God loves us. And when you form something, when you make something, when you dedicate yourself to creating something, you just love it. Because you know what went into it. You know everything that was needed for it to come into being. And you even know what it needs. And God created us with a purpose in mind, with intentionality. God made you and I to bring him glory. Isaiah reminds the people of Israel that God called them into being, that before God, they were just a group of people walking around without a direction, without a, an understanding of who they were going to be, without a perception of a future and God called them to be his people, and he formed them as a nation. He formed them as a, as, a, as a group that would come together to be the body of his church. These people, with all their diverse backgrounds and situations and family, came together as one nation 
and God called them his own and formed them through experience. God knows you, and God knows me. As one of the kids pointed out, he knows every hair on my head and on yours. He knows us from our mother's womb, the scripture tells us. And even though he knows everything about us, he still calls us precious. Is that the word we would use for ourselves when we think about all we are? Not often. We tend to put ourselves down, right? We tend to kind of think badly of ourselves sometimes. But God knows everything about us, and yet he calls us his precious creation. He knows what you're going through and what you're dealing with. He knows where you've been and where you're going. And Isaiah reminded the Israelites that God had redeemed them through experience after experience after experience, that he had made them his people and given them a new name, even though they were rebellious and their hearts were sometimes turning away from him. And that word redemption is so important. God had redeemed them. You see, we have a problem nowadays, which is when we think redemption, we think coupons. We think something cheap as a deal. We think something simple as, you know, let me get two for one. We think of redemption as just getting something for nothing or something for less. But when God talks about redemption, he is talking about redemption in the full sense of the word. Redemption is the act of being saved, the act of gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or the clearing of a debt. It's when something is completely given a new identity by the one who now owns it because they have given everything for it. When God talks about redemption, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about paying the price for every single one of our sins. He's talking about doing everything to lead and guide us. And the Israelites had experienced redemption. They had been in Egypt as slaves and God had sent Moses to draw them out and lead them into a promised land. They had been ravaged by war once they reached the promised land. And they were scattered time and time again into exile. And yet God continued to redeem and restore them over and over again. And Isaiah basically says, when you know that you have been redeemed by God, when you know that God has paid the ultimate price through his son Jesus Christ for your sins, when he has given everything for you to lead you and guide you to a new and better life, then you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to fear the future. You don't need to be hesitant about what will happen next. Because God knows your name. He knows you individually. He knows your needs. He knows your sufferings. He knows your joys. And when God knows your name and has called you his own, he also has given you his name to call on. God has friended you. He shared his contact information with you. He's basically said, I'm here for you. You can call on me when you need me. 
And he has made himself available to you. That's what he said to the Israelites. He said, I'll be your God if you will be my people. I'll be here for you. Even when you turn your back on me, I'll be here for you. I will restore and redeem you time and time again. Because I love you. Because I made you. Because I created you. When God pays the price for your sins, you don't need to be afraid of hell and death. Because he has basically promised to deliver you from that and give you eternal life. You don't have to be fearful of death because you know there is life eternal in Christ. You don't have to be fearful of, of the consequence of that sin in terms of your penalty of death because God has already taken that away in Jesus. And when you are God's own, you know that you're in good hands. So you don't need to fear anything in this life. Because when God is with you, nothing can prevail against you. Nothing can stand against you. Even though we aren't supposed to be afraid, though, let's face it, we get fearful sometimes. We get concerned when things are not going well, when sickness strikes, when our needs grow faster than our income, when problems seem to come around more often than solutions. It's very easy to be afraid and concerned, yet we are being reminded here in Isaiah that you have been redeemed by God and should not be afraid because God is with you. You see, people often forget that we have not been promised that we won't go through stuff, that we won't have difficulties in this life. No, nothing in Scripture says that if you come to Jesus, you'll never get sick, you'll never have any needs, and you'll, pay, you'll always have plenty of rich money. You know, that, that's not biblical. There are times when you're going to have struggles. There are times when you're going to go through things. And verse 2 of the scripture reminds you, it doesn't say if you go through the waters or if you go through the fire. It says when you go through the waters and when you go through the fire, I will be with you. So it doesn't mean that you won't go through it. It means that you will go through it, but you will be accompanied by God. And it'll be God that will bring you out on the other side. It's God that's going to make you walk on that water. It's God that's going to help you make it through the fire without burning. It is God who is going to give you the grace to make it through your troubles. Isaiah reminds the people that it is God who delivered them from Egypt. It is God who led them through the wilderness. And it is God who brought them into the promised land. And if you don't remember that story, they were, the, the Israelites have always been outnumbered. Did you know that? Always been outnumbered wherever they were. There was always more on the other side than on theirs. And yet God gave them victory after victory after victory. And they were able to take the promised land. Not because they were that mighty of an army, but because they knew who was with them. In the fight. How many battles has God waged for us? How many things has God delivered us from? How many mountains has he moved for you? How many times has he provided for your need before you knew you had that need? Uh, you know, God likes to do this in my life. I, I call it preemptive strikes on my debt. 
Whenever I get a financial blessing, I brace for impact because it means that something is coming that I'm going to need that money for, and I never know what it is. So, you know, we've learned we don't eat that money. We put it in the bank and wait for the debt to hit because it's coming. And so when we got a great gift, thanks to you all, in Christmas, and it was abundant, we went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And for those that don't know, my wife is a federal employee. She's not getting paid. But she still has to work. But God knew that before I knew that. God knew my need before I ever had it. And God was supplying for a need that I didn't even know I had. And this is what I'm telling you. God knows his creation. He knows you. He knows me. He knows what we need. And through his mercy and his grace, he does so many things for us, even things that we don't understand. And it should blow our minds how God is able to do so many more things than we give him credit for. How many times has God given you favor before others at work or with family or with someone that you really needed to touch and talk to? Verse 5 reminds us that We do not need to be afraid because God is with us. That is repeated in Scripture so many times. If you ever have an interest and you want to do a search, do a search on every single time Scripture says do not be afraid. And you will find that God repeats that to us over and over again because he knows that by nature we are given to fear. And he does not want us to fear. And then in verse 5, he gives us another reason not to be afraid. He says, I will bring you offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And you say, how does that give us a reason not to be afraid? Well, that's where you have to understand the scripture and the context of this story. We're talking about the Israelites, a people that were often conquered by their enemies when they had been unfaithful to God. God would allow the Babylonians to take them away. He would allow the Assyrians to take them away. And they became distraught when that happened. They saw their sons and daughters taken away to foreign lands and spread apart and the whole nation fractured. And it was a fear that they would never be able to regain themselves as a nation under God. And God promises, don't worry about it because I will gather you back together. I can do that. You can't, but I can do that. I can bring them from the north and the south and the east and the west. And I can give you offspring and make your nation great. How many times have we prayed for a family member that did not know Christ? Or a friend or a co-worker? And we said, Lord, just reach to them and gather them in. It's a recognition in our part that sometimes, that all the time, God has to go and reach them that we can do what we can to give them a witness and a testimony, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that goes before us that reaches them where they are and shows them God's grace and brings them in. 
and restores them and redeems them through his grace. The people of Israel saw exile after exile. And time and time again, God brought the people back to the promised land. And often they had to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple and restore the worship of God. And some of you know the history after World War II. Israel was formed as a haven for all Jews to come back home to a homeland. It was created after the Holocaust when so many Jews had been put to death in concentration camps. And the Jews came to this little strip of sausage, looked like a bunch of sausage links, right down the middle of the promised land, only a small amount of land compared to the promised land that had been given by God. And within days, they were attacked by all their enemies. And through a subsequent number of wars, Israel expanded to reach the size of the promised land that God had promised would be theirs. God brought them from all over the world and restored the nation of Israel as was his promise. Well, today, God still gathers his people from the north, the south, the east, and from the west but of course, God has included the Gentiles in his new call and new family. He's included all of us who are not Jewish to be part of the kingdom of God. And now he calls people from all those directions into his churches and his places of worship so that we can be the place where people come to experience the redemption and the love and the grace that only God can give in Jesus Christ. And this is the reason we pray our harvest prayer every Tuesday night that comes from this scripture. This is the reason that we pray this prayer because we're asking God to fulfill his promise of drawing people onto himself through the church, the body of Christ that is sharing the good news of redemption, the good news that no matter what fire or what water you go through, if God is with you, you will make it to the other side. The good news that if you have sinned and fallen, there's restoration and there's grace and there's forgiveness in Jesus. So when we pray for the north and the south and the east and the west, no matter where we are geographically, in all those directions, there are people that God is calling to be a part of his church. And I got to tell you, we pray this every Tuesday night. And whenever I pray it, I get chills as we do what, I've, what you've heard me call the slowest line dance in history. We face each direction and we pray that prayer. And as we pray it, I just feel chills of the Holy Spirit as, as the Holy Spirit is out there already reaching those people that we are praying for to be part of the ministry of our church. And God is doing this with all those churches in the area that are honoring him and seeking his will. There are people God is reaching right now to be a part of this congregation. And the harvest is out there. And God will bring it in.
But just as God drew people back to the promised land in a time of exile to rebuild the temple, to establish the worship of God, I believe that God is bringing people to the churches to restore his kingdom in this country, in this nation, in this community, so that his name will be lifted up. Because for far too long, people have been running away from church. And God is calling people back home because he wants to give us a revival. Now, we were created for God's glory, and even as we sit in the sanctuary hearing the word of God and seeking the spirit of God, God is already at work. The spirit has not stopped. It's not like it's going to start now. It's been doing its work all along. So what are we asking for when we hear this word and when we pray this prayer? We're asking God to set us on fire for him. And here's why. Anybody remember how the lighthouses of old used to work before electricity? They would set a fire on the top. There was a controlled fire on the top. And that fire would burn all night long. As long as there was darkness, that fire was burning because it needed to point the direction of safety for all the boats that were out there in the middle of the storms in the ocean. And so when I say that, that we need to be set on fire, I'm talking about the fact that we need to be that fire burning with the Holy Spirit of God that is lighting out into the darkness of the world so that people from all directions can see what God is doing here. And you're not going to be consumed by that fire because we already said the flame will not touch you. You're going to be like the burning bush. You're going to be a sign of God's holiness and grace. And through the burning of the Holy Spirit in our lives, people will draw to God here in this place. Notice that it's not through us, but through the burning of the Holy Spirit in us, people will be drawn into this church. So today, as we, as we finish this word, I'm going to invite you to stand and join me in the harvest prayer that's going to be up on the screen. If you want to, you're welcome to try to do the movements, which is north, and then go all the way clockwise. But if you can't do that because it's hard because you're in the pews, I understand. Here we go. North. You have people got wills to become a part of this church. I command you in the name of Jesus to release every person who is supposed to be in this church. East. The will of God be done in you. Don't keep anyone back. I command you in the name of Jesus to release every person the Holy Spirit is drawing to become a part of this body. South, I command you in the name of Jesus to release everyone that God has ordained to be saved, planted, established, strengthened, and settled in this church. West, I also command you in the name of Jesus to release every person who is supposed to be in this church. In Jesus' name, I ask God to dispatch angels to minister to the heirs of salvation. I implore the Holy Spirit 
the Lord of the harvest to draw the people and plant them in this church. Amen. You may be seated. As we go to worship, the altar is open. You are God's precious creation. If there's a need you have, God already knows it. Let us pray with you about it. Let us bring you peace in the midst of it. And let us help you to not be afraid and remind you that God will be with you.